0: The Missional Life Podcast, inspiring kingdom-minded believers around the world to live the mission of God in their lives.
1: All right, welcome back to the Missional Life Podcast. Today we have a special guest, Rick Malm. He's the founder and president of Commission to Every Nation and Commission Ministers Network, both of which are missions organizations that send hundreds, if not thousands of ministers around the world to share the good news of Jesus. He's also a former pastor, missionary, author, author of multiple books, and co-host of the Malm Podcast.
0: Welcome to the show, Rick. Thank you, Dan. Amanda, good to be with you. Um, looking forward to spending some time here and see where this thing goes.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Rick, it's amazing and inspiring all that God has done and is doing through you. Before we dive a little deeper can you take us back to when God first began to call you into the missional life that you're now living?
0: Okay. Well, you know, um, I really met, I mean, I met the Lord as a little kid, you know, but uh, when I was about 17, I really had a, a semi-adult, 17 years, sure not an adult, but anyway, kind of a, a real encounter with the Lord. And, and from then I just, just kind of wanted to serve the Lord and do whatever, you know, I had no visions of ministry, certainly no visions of missions. Uh, you know, I was just kind of a dumb kid, just wanted to give everything to Jesus and uh, was already signed up for the military. So I ended up going in the military and um, served there for a while. And um, when uh, my time was up to get out of that, the pastor at the church I was attending, I was just faithfully attending a church. And uh, one Sunday, my roommate and I came into the church or Saturday, actually, or Sunday early and saw the pastor vacuuming the floor. So we said, hey, we can do that. So we started helping there and we started helping wherever we could. And I just, you know, it was kind of that whatever your hands find to do, do it, you know. And so we started serving. And he asked me when he said, when you get out of the military, I uh, want you to uh, come on staff at our church and use your GI bill to go to college. I had, I went right out of high school in the military. And uh, so I did that. And, um, you know, really still had no visions of ministry or anything really had no, I, I, you know, everybody says, you you know, get this vision for your life and you got to know where you're going. I was just stumbling around, you know, and just all I knew is I wanted to serve Jesus and this door opened. So I did that. And, um, then when I got out of school, they asked me if I would be, uh, four years later, if I'd principal their, uh, their Christian school, uh, which was kind of a god directive thing, too. And so I served with this pastor for 10 years, and then he went off to found a missionary training center. A few years later, asked me if I would come and pastor a church, connect with him. And I, I distinctly remember uh, probably about four years into this, maybe when I'd finished college and started principaling at the school, this Christian school, it dawned on me one day that, oh my gosh. I am probably going to be in church ministry my whole life. I mean, it wasn't like some calling written in the sky. Uh, uh, I, I put it this way. I, was, I don't know that I was ever called. I just kind of volunteered. You know, I said, Lord, if there's something you can do, I, I, I just want to serve you, Lord and and actually when i when i realized i was probably going to be in christian ministry the master of my life i felt like a real failure i thought man i must have messed up so bad at the workplace that god said okay i gotta put him surround him with a bunch of christians where he can't do much harm mm-hmm. i mean i literally <laughs> felt like i must have failed in the workplace and I must have been such a horrible witness out there that he said where can i put this guy to where he's not gonna do much damage to my name and so he said i'll mm-hmm. stick him in a church <laughs> that's how i got that's that was the start of my ministry and then mm-hmm. one thing led to another we pioneered a church, um, and uh, didn't do too much damage there, Uh, and we, after four years, realized that uh, our time there was done, and it was just kind of a strange thing, and I told my wife, I said, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, what's going to happen, but I just feel like our time here is done, and within a couple of weeks, I got an invitation from a fellow who said, uh, hey, would you come to uh, Guatemala and uh, work with our I, I had met this guy He was director of a mission there. And would you come to Guatemala and lead our team down there? I'm thinking, lead your team. I've never even lived out of the country. I'm not a missionary. You want me to lead a team of missionaries and I, oh, okay, why not? You know, I mean, (laughs) we know we're done here. So we took it step-by-step and, you know, God directed, we went and talked with the board. And I mean, just be really honest, my wife and I at that time were really struggling in our relationship, planting that church had been really hard on us. I mean, it'd been hard on our kids. There was financial stress. I'm convinced that anytime you start a new church, everybody in town who's dissatisfied and upset and knows how to run a church comes and tells you how to do it. Mm -hmm. And so we had a whole congregation full of, uh, we had two or three good people, but other than my family, most of them were a bunch no, I'm kidding. Uh, (laughs) It was just a bunch of rebels, man. It was a real stressful time. And um, it prepared us though for the mission field. You know, God has the ways when you're going through those dark times, Mm -hmm. they don't last forever. And when you look back on it, you realize, oh, this was God preparing me for something else. And so we were at a real stress, stress time in our marriage. And we thought, man, this isn't the way to handle it. And I actually went to a pastor that I counsel with. And you guys raise your hand anytime I'm getting into too much detail here, because I just, I don't know how much you want to hear. But I went to a pastor who was a mentor of ours. And I said, you know, we've been, I've been counseling with you and talking to you about our relationship and our kids and all that stuff, you know, and, and I just feel like God's called us to go on the mission field. We prayed and and God just kind of led us step by step. And I so said, I feel like the Lord's called us to go on the mission field. What do you think? And he said, well, you know, going on the mission field is not the way to relieve any stress. And we said, well, yeah, I know, but I, I know it's a dumb move. It's the dumbest thing I've ever done really in in the natural. But what do you do when you feel like god's told you to do it and there's been confirmations you know and so i was taking the next step when i feel like god's told me to do something i go to authorities in my life that i've submitted myself to and say is this the dumbest thing you've ever heard of and he kind of basically said yeah it is i said but what do you do when you feel like god says says, you obey Mm -hmm. well that's what i thought but i just needed somebody to tell me yes you know somebody older and wiser than me to say yeah you obey Mm -hmm. and so we did and we found out that actually it was the greatest relief Uh, uh, depression in our life. It was a new era. It was kind of like, okay, God says you passed the final exam, and now I'm going to do something new, and you're going to like this, Mm -hmm. and uh, I mean, there were difficult times after that, and there were difficult times while we were on the field, but that stressful time was really God preparing us, because when we got to Guatemala, uh, we worked with a lot of pastors there, And many of them went through the same sort of stress as we did, but they would look at us and they go, well, you're from Texas. You don't understand what it's like to be poor. I go, yeah, we do. I mean, we had to, we were in a real financial downturn in Texas here where we had people who were unemployed and they were going to freeze to death in their mobile home. If we didn't scramble some money together and go over and buy gas for them, you know, to put in their propane tank. I mean, that's the kind of, Situation it was, so like I can say I do know what it's like, and I do know what it's like to have people that you know are stabbing you in the back and saying this about you, and are giving your wife a hard time, and you know, doing emotional damage to your kids. I know what that's like, and it, I really realized it was God opening a door and preparing me to have a life message to give to these pastors in Guatemala. And so we ministered with them and just loved it. Planned to plan to die there and never do anything different. And uh, after about four years, God started kind of messing with my world. And um, one morning in prayer, I felt like he just told me, you know, I was impressed with the fact that the Lord told Abraham, he says, through you, I'm going to bless all nations on earth. And it occurred to me that that promise hadn't yet been fulfilled. Now it was going to be through his seed, Jesus, Jesus has come, but until they've heard his coming, wasn't a blessing to them. And so I realized, wow, that's pretty cool. Missions is really um fulfilling a promise you made to a friend several thousand years ago you're pretty diligent about fulfilling your promises and what missions oh, is about. and then after a few days it was like i felt like the lord said i want you to bless the nations i want to use you to to send missionaries and i thought god you know i'm pedaling as fast as i can here in this little country of guatemala and we're barely scratching the surface don't you, you got the wrong number you know get somebody who's know you got to be a type a person really driven you know you got to have vision and i'm just kind of like stumbling along day by day trying to figure out what tomorrow is going to hold you know and just ministering as opportunities come up and after about a year of arguing with him on it it just it kind of got to a point where like every morning when i try and have a quiet time it's like the lord was just messing with my quiet time you know it's like can you just leave me alone so i can pray you know, it's just like, because I couldn't get it out of my head. I want you to bless the nations. I want to give you a team to bless the nations. And, and I just, ah, and it finally, I, I put it this way. It's kind of like, finally, the gentle voice of the Holy Spirit turned into the lion of the tribe of Judah.
1: Hmm. And
0: it's just, are you going to obey me or not? And I, I maybe you've experienced that as well. You know, I know that's where it was with me. And so finally I said, well, okay, I, I will obey, but I want it to be known right here. I don't think it's going to work and I'm opposed to it but I will start a mission agency to help other people go on the mission field, but I'm planning on staying right here in Guatemala and good luck with your thing. You know, I, mean, I really, it was your thing. God is yeah. your idea. is not my idea. I don't think it's going to work. And right now I'm just saying I'm, I'm opposed to it and it's not going to work because I tried to start that church and it never really took off and never happened. And I'm just not, I'm just not the dynamic leader that you need to do something like that. So we filed the paperwork and then God just took over from there. I mean, really, you know, everybody says, oh, God did it. But I mean, he really did in this case, because I was opposed to it. I wasn't in favor of it. I wasn't going to do anything to make it grow. And it just started, it just started growing and didn't realize that there was such a need out there. Our ministry with both Commissioned to Every Nation and Commission Ministers Network is to try to remove barriers to help people do missions. And whether that's overseas or in the U.S. or in Canada, I just... I saw while we were there, there are so many barriers. Why do we make it so hard for people to go? And when I started the agency, I had people ask me, well, uh, you're going to make it easy. You're not going to require psychological testing. And I go, well, I don't think so. Because really, if you want to go as a missionary, you already got something whacked in your brain. We don't need a <laughs> test to tell us that, you know? I mean, who would want to give up family and home and raise your own support and go to a foreign culture where you may not even be one? I mean, you're already nuts, So we don't need a test to prove that. And then somebody says, so, but how are you going to know they're committed? Go, committed? They're quitting their job, their career. They're raising their own support. They probably ought to be committed. <laughs> You know, I mean, there's something wrong with somebody who would do that. And so it just it I just began to see then how it's so easy to create a missionary obstacle course because, well, don't you aren't you going to require them to have Bible school? Well, that would be nice. But, you know, if they're going to be working with eight and 10 year old street kids who are you know, sniffing their brains out on rubber cement, they probably don't need a THD. You know, they probably don't need a lot of Bible theology. They don't need to know Genesis from revolution or whatever you know they just need to know jesus loves you and i love you and can you quit doing that to yourself and let me help you you know that kind of thing Mm. so that's that's what we do today and um god is just i like to say it really has been god because i am not the dynamic leader i am not the visionary who you know well five years from now this is our plan 10 years from now this is our plan you know it's just lord this is still your thing and thanks for letting me be a part of it and right now, C10 commissioned every nation. I think we have about 740 missionaries in 65 nation. And I just was told the other day, Commission Ministers Network has about 400 ministers in about 70. Some of those are overlap, but some about 70 different nations. Mm-hmm. So that's what over a thousand people on the field that are doing everything from surfing ministry in Costa Rica, reaching out to surfers in a one of those endless summer surf towns, to medical doctors, surgeons, um, people who are translating the Bible, national workers who are doing amazing things. And mm. again, i tell you, here's the key. And it's just the old song, trust and obey. Cause there's no mm. other way to be happy in Jesus. Mm. If you'll just trust the Lord and you'll obey, now, if it sounds really foolish and if it sounds really stupid, do get counsel. You don't just hear from your own, because, you know, you, you could just have bad pizza the night before and hear all kinds of crazy things from God, you know, so get counsel, get advice, but ultimately just obey what you hear the Lord saying. And you'll be amazed what he'll do through just really regular, ordinary people who really don't have, you know, all the charisma and charm and type A driven personalities or visionaries who just obey. That's how I that's how it got me where I am today, just taking it step by step. Okay, if that's what you say, Lord, doesn't make much sense to me, but let's give her a shot and see what happens. What you think?
1: Wow, there's so much there. Yes. So much there. You know, I love how you you graduated high school, you kind of continue and you know, went into college, you went into the service, and it just one thing kind of led to another. And so many times it just You know, we overcomplicate things. We overcomplicate. We've made ministry so difficult. We've made ministry so complicated. And, you know, the kingdom isn't really complicated. You know, Jesus used very, very, very simple, you know, examples. Very, very simple. And he, he spoke to the common person. Yeah. You know, and he invited the common person into his kingdom to be part, be his disciple. He invited them in, you know, and we've, we've taken something that's supposed to be simple and we've made it very complicated and yeah. kind of add, added so much in to the point where, you know, do we really want to even consider doing that because we have to do A, B and C and D and it's going to take multiple yeah. years and all this. And so I love that you just did what the next thing was, you know, and, and mm-hmm. that's how we follow God. That's how we, yeah. on, you know unleash what he is doing in our lives next is we just we're simply you know diligent we're good stewards with what he puts in our hands now
0: and and and, and don't be looking for the big thing what Mm. i have found is that whenever god has a big deal to do he always looks for somebody who's busy being faithful at a small task Mm. what was david doing when he got anointed as king watching the sheep And what did he do right after he was anointed as a king? Did he head over to the palace? Nope. Went right back out to the sheep field. I mean, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right. Yeah, what was Elisha doing? He was out just doing his dad's work, you know, plowing the field with the servants when Elijah came and you just follow, you know, Peter and John, what were they doing? They were fishing. Matthew was sitting at his tax collection booth. You just be faithful with what God's given you. Use your opportunities to minister there. And then if God's got something bigger, which I think he does for all of us, Mm -hmm. you know, Isaiah, I think it is, it says, um, uh, his, his heavens are higher than the earth. So are his thoughts higher than my thoughts and his ways higher than my ways. And I got to thinking one day, you know, if, if his thoughts are higher than my thoughts and his ways are higher than my ways, I'll bet the dreams he has for each and every one of us are higher than the dreams we have for ourselves too. Cause okay. we see ourselves and we go, well, this is all I'm capable of. And I, I barely got through algebra, you know, but, um, one of the things I learned is, you know, you take five times two and you know what it's going to equal. Five times two is going to be uh, da, 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 10, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, but you take that two out and you put an X in there and you have no idea what it's going to equal. Five times X equals what? You don't know because you don't know the value of X. And God is like an X in our algebraic life, you might say. So I may only be a five or I may only be a two on the scale of one to 10. You know, I may only be three or whatever, but you multiply, you, you mix God's power in that. And you, you, it's limitless because he's limitless. So three times God, you know, your, your weakness (laughs) times God, who knows only he knows and only he sets a limit on it. So again, the idea being do what your hands find to do right where you are. We started, my first ministry was volunteering to vacuum the church. Like I mentioned there. Uh, And it wasn't like I was, you know, trying out for something it's just i saw the pastor was in vacuuming the church himself though well, that, that's something i can do let me see if i can help him out and let him spend more time i don't think he spent more time uh uh studying i think he actually spent more time out running his cows he, he was a kind of a rancher guy mm. but it was something i could do so yeah. find what your hands could do and just serve where you are and it's amazing when god finds somebody faithful in the little things what he'll do with it mm. i love the picture of the you know just the equation That is such a sharp picture, and I think, um, you know, listeners can find that so encouraging that, you know, you may see yourself in this light, but you know, what is that value of the X? That is such a cool picture that God gave you. So thank you for sharing that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I love, Mm. you know, what you said earlier too, you said, I felt like a failure. We felt like failures, you know, and there's so many times the enemy will come at you Mm -hmm. and make you feel like a failure, you know? And, you know, we've heard, you know, we've heard it said, you know, that the enemy is a liar, right? He, he You know, yeah. that's it. When 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 he speaks and he lies, it's his native tongue, essentially, right? And we've you yeah. Know, and you know, so if he's telling you that you are a li- that you're a failure, man, what's the truth behind that? He's lying. You know, you are yeah. truly a success in Christ. You know, and and so, um. But you know, when you do step out into into trying to do something, when living missionally, you know, doing what God has, really anything in life, you know, th- the enemy will come at you and he will try to make you, you know, feel you know, like a failure or he'll put those financial pressures or, you know, he'll come against you with those things, but man, he comes against us, but we come and we get him against him with the covenant. And, um, boy, you know, get what God can do when he puts himself in you and, and, you know, works through you. And, and I love how you said, you know, this is your thing, you know, ultimately when, you know, I think that's where we can start getting into trouble is when we start making it our own thing and we start doing yeah. our own thing, you know, and you said, Hey, you know, like you do what you want to do through this. And, um, Man, I think that that's why it's been such a blessing to so many people that you have, you know, hundreds and now, you know, over a thousand of people that are, are really, you know, going through this ministry that God has created through you um, to go because you don't make it complicated. And you just said, God, this is your thing. Do it. And and he's doing yeah. it. and uh, and and the nations are being blessed amazing absolutely mm-hmm. yeah
0: mm-hmm. you know you, you talk about failure there and i i think many of us we do feel like failures because well the world has a way of beating us down and you know mm-hmm. and, and squashing our dreams and telling us we don't we don't measure up and uh and uh you know i'm convinced that there's only one way a believer can fail and that is if you if you disobey if you obey It doesn't matter what the outcome is i mean think about this do you think joseph felt like a failure when he was sitting in the prison there but he didn't know this was god's way of taking him to the palace i think of paul you know i mean he was called to be the evangelist called to be the apostle to the gentiles and yet he finds himself sitting in roman prison and all he can do is write a bunch of little bitty letters to a church in thessal of philippians or philippi you know all he can do is write some letters to these people Mm. but it was God's way of getting him to slow down enough to write letters that would be around to guide and direct us. And so if we're obedient, we don't have to worry about the outcome. Just do what. And then the other thing is I know, you know, I can just hear what people are saying. Well, obedient. Well, yeah, but I'm. if I just knew what God wanted me to do, you know, that I would do it. Oh God, if I just, you know, write it on the wall. Well, it was written on the wall once in Daniel and that didn't turn out so well. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. we, we want this angelic revelation. We want to know for sure. And I'm convinced that God guides us more by our spirit and meaning by that. We don't always know for sure. You just take it baby step at a time because I want, you know, he could have given Moses a map and said, look, here's the map. I'll meet you in Kadesh Barnea in six months or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. but he wanted to walk with him day by day by day. And I think that's why he doesn't clearly say, okay, well, at least in my life, he doesn't say, okay, in a year from now, it'll be this two years from now it'll be this because he wants it to be a day by day and so mm-hmm. as children it's just my responsibility as a kid to listen to my dad and to the best that i understand what he's saying do that if i misunderstand that's his problem he needs to communicate to me i'm the kid he's the dad and as a dad it's my responsibility to communicate to my kids what they want done and if they're going off track it's up to me to say hey, hey, hey no 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 no, that's not what i meant and that's what he promised when he said you know if you hear a voice if you turn to the left or if you turn to the right you'll hear a voice that says, Oh no, this is the way walk in it. So if things are quiet, just keep moving. If you get off the path, he'll let you know. If you turn to the right, if you turn to the left, he'll let you know. And so you just keep moving. And and if you start to veer off, he'll tell you. People ask me sometimes, you know, I'm trying to find out what am I in the will of God for my life? You know what? Every time I've been out of the will of God, I knew it. I mean, there's no question about it. And so if you're, if you're having struggles with that, you're probably doing okay just keep walking until you hear clearly to change direction. Make sense?
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I love your portrayal of God because God is gracious. He's kind. He, you know, he's our father, but he wants the best for us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so many people or, you know, have this portrayal. Oh man, you get off course and God, you know, you look out like God's going to send this problem, you know, he's going to beat you in like, and what, you know, as we're parents, we have, you know, a young daughter who's six and a, and a, a 20, you know, 20 month old. And, um, you know, we desire them to learn, you know, there's times where we have to, to, to discipline and that, you know, varies by the circumstance, but, you know, we're not out to, you know, to, to just, hurt them and i mean and you know we're just earthly parents much less heaven our heavenly father who is love Mm. you know god is love and so many people have such a misunderstanding that man like i just don't want to be out of his will and that's and i would say that people that you know have that fear you know jesus says you know or you know john tells us that there's that perfect love casts out all fear and, you know, when yeah. we understand the father, when we know in his heart, like, man, we, we don't have to be fearful of our father. He just, he kindly redirects us into the things that, um, that he has for us. So yeah, um, there's just, I love your portrayal because I think that that shows that, you know, how much you do understand the father. And we knew that when we invited you onto the show, but there's just so many more, um, So many more people that need to know that God is so good. He's for you. He's not against you. And um, he wants, you know, he wants more than you want to. He wants to see you thrive. He wants to see you live into the mission that he has for you. I mean, that's why he created you. Um, You are supposed to impact people.
0: Well, we, we kind of have this idea that if I fail, you know, somehow I'm going to miss it. It's kind of like, uh, yeah. you know, if I make a mistake, I can never get back where I was. And it's always mm-hmm. lost. And I just think about Peter. You remember when Jesus said this? He said, Peter, Satan hath desired to sift you like wheat. And I mean, if Jesus told me that Satan himself is going to sift me like wheat, I go, oh, man, OK, whoa, what do we do? And he says, but I have prayed for you. Oh, oh, thank you, Jesus. It's not going to happen. But that's not what he said. He have I prayed for you that your faith fail not, wait, 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 you didn't pray to stop the sifting? I'm gonna be sifted and all you prayed was that my faith not fail? Couldn't you stop the testing? Couldn't you have stopped the problem? And then he goes on to say, and when you have been restored, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, wait, 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 you mean I'm gonna fail? You prayed for me that my faith would not fail, but you say, I'm still gonna fail, I'm still gonna fall. I'm not sure that's the prayer I would've wanted him to pray. But then he says, when you're restored, He said, when you're back, he says, I want you to restore. I want you to care for your brothers. And I realized Peter was so confident that he couldn't fail, that it was important that he fail. And so Jesus just prayed not to remove the tempting, not to even remove him from failing, but that his faith would not fail so that he could then have a message to share with his brothers, because it it totally wiped out his own arrogance, his own self-confidence. It's like what Paul said. He said, uh, Mm -hmm. I don't want you ignorant what, what happened to us in Asia it was more than we could handle. You know, that saying where it says, God won't give you more than you can handle. That's not true, by the way. It's totally unbiblical. Paul said he gave us more than we could handle. Mm-hmm. But the reason was so that we don't, didn't depend on ourselves, but that we learned to depend on him. And when we fall flat on our face, I think sometimes that's essential for some of us to fall flat on our face and realize, wow, okay, this isn't me it's got to be God. This, if I'm going to, if anything's going to be accomplished in my life, it's got to be him. And so even a good parent, you'll allow your kids to, if you didn't allow your kid to fall down now, and then he would never learn to walk. Now, you know, you try and cover the edge of the coffee table so he doesn't slam his eye on that when he falls, but you've got to let your kids fall down now and then, yeah. or they never learn to walk. And that hurts as a parent, because you see them falling, You ah, you know, you want to protect them from everything but you just can't, or they never learn to walk on their own. And I believe it's the same way with us. There's going to be failures. There's going to be falling, but we just have to realize as long as we get up one more time than we fall, we're still in the battle. We're still in the game and God's not giving up on us. He's just like a parent. When your kid falls down, you don't go, what is wrong with you? You know, you help him up. You go, oh, come on, you can do it. You can do it. Yeah, you cheer him on, you know. But he just fell on his face. Yeah, but you pick him up and you go, come on, you can do it. Walk to daddy, walk to daddy. I And if we think we're beyond that, boy, we just probably need to fall one more time. <laughs> and realize <laughs> just how, how weak we are, you know, and we're totally dependent upon him. Walk to daddy. That's the best advice you can get. Just walk to daddy when you get back up.
1: Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. You know, yeah as as president of a you know a, a missions organization you know it's funny i you you've written a book called stop sending missionaries yeah and uh, you know, there, there's, you know, obviously, there's you're kind of hooking, hooking people with, with that. You, you uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, think. But you know, there's this, there's a lot of debate out there, you know, as to the effectiveness yeah. of of foreign missionaries. You hear all these different arguments and whether we should be sending them now, and you know, and one position is, you know, we shouldn't send anybody because there's just so much need here at home and you know yeah. let's fo- let's focus on things here you know what are your thoughts on those positions obviously you know you have people all around the world but you know to those people who are saying you know like let's only focus on the problems here you know that are, are yeah. around us what what do you say you know what do you say to that
0: well the the book um, stop sending missionaries and it's, it's subtitled six reasons we should stop sending missionaries <laughs> and why they're all wrong really grew out of questions that I heard people struggling with and people asking. So it wasn't just, I just made these up in the dark, um, but wanted to provide answers. And, th- and that's a good one. That, that's one that, um, you know, well, why? Because we see so many needs here at home. And my, my answer to that, I usually just give one word, access. In many, many countries of the world, there's such limited access to the gospel. Here we have it. You know, somebody the other day compared they said uh, the, the gospel is like the COVID virus right now. We have it everywhere in the U S and there's many people who don't want to take the vaccine, you know, the vaccine, it's like the vaccine for the COVID virus. It's all over the U S and there are a lot of people who just won't just refuse it. And yet in India, they're dying by the millions and there's it's not available and they just can't get it. And so you'd say, well, why should we send COVID vaccine over there when there's people here who still haven't gotten the vaccination? Well, there's plenty to go around and so you you want to provide access for people in many places you've got maybe a five thousand people and maybe one christian worker and that might just be some i think of places in southern mexico where there's towns that there's no gospel and believe it or not southern mexico is a very unreached nation the southern part of mexico and you can go into towns where it's very dangerous to be a Christian, and the only person there might be somebody who came to the U.S. for a little while and um, maybe met the Lord while they're up there and went back to their village, but they're afraid to speak out. And they don't really understand it either. They, they just maybe came and lived here for a year or two and maybe got a little Bible knowledge, but they're afraid to speak out. And so it's, it's that way around the world. But the other thing, and I think this is even more critical, is it doesn't we don't have to pick one or the other. It doesn't have to be either or. Because it doesn't cost us a dime to reach out to our neighbors. And so we don't have to stop sending missionaries around the world to reach our own people. We just have to start leading a missional life. Hmm, heard that somewhere. We, if, the, if the church will just rise up and be the church, it doesn't cost you a dime to share the gospel with your neighbors or at work. And so we don't have to pick one or the other. I think we always like to get this dichotomous choice. You know, it's either this or it's that. And I've seen that oftentimes in the kingdom, God has a third option. You know, do we pay taxes to Caesar or do we not? It's got to be A or B. No, give me a coin. Pay to Caesar, but give to God. Uh, Do we stone this woman? She was caught in adultery. We either stone her or we don't. It's got to be one or the other. No, there's a third one. The guy who, without sin, casts the first stone. So do we send missionaries overseas or do we care for needs here at home? It doesn't have to be one or the other. We can do both. And we need to do both. We've been called to do both Jerusalem or Judea, no Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. If we're going to obey that, it's not either, or it's and, and, and it's both. And so.
1: so Absolutely. There's not exclusion of the kingdom. Yeah. And, 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 yeah, and
0: I, I see a danger in that, too. I see a lot of the, uh, I see a movement in the churches in the U.S., a lot of the churches that are really, I don't know how you'd say it. Seeker friendly was a term for a while. But I mean, churches that seem to really be reaching this culture, which I think is an awesome thing. That's mm-hmm. not a negative to me at all, you know. Churches that are reaching this culture, but there seems to be a bigger emphasis upon, uh, well, let's just reach here. We're going to plant five satellite churches all in our town or all in the next town, or all in this state, and not realizing, gosh, there, there is so much need around the world. Um, as, as Oswald Chambers, I believe, will have said it, why should you know some people have the chance to reject the gospel 50 times when other people haven't had a chance to hear it once? Mm-hmm. And so I would just say to church, particularly to churches that are reaching this generation, that is awesome. I love what you're doing. Keep it up. Keep it up. But don't forget that he's called us to reach the world. And it doesn't have to be either or. You can do both, and we need to do both. Well said. Yes.
1: You know, for those people who are you know cost conscious, they want you know they, they want to be good stewards. say, you mm-hmm. know that that's important. But you know, there's a strong argument that you know we've we've uh, we've entered a new season in missions, and that we should just find a way to fund national missionaries that's more effective. It's you know cost a lot mm-hmm. less. You know, I, this argument, I want to be a good steward. Why don't I just send the money to kind of a, 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 a national person? You know, yeah. what You know what do you what do you say to that?
0: That's an excellent question. It really is. And uh, well, I would say two things. Um, first of all, um, I support supporting national workers. You know, I, I really do. But having lived in Guatemala and worked with a lot of national workers there, worked with a number of pastors from different groups, different denominations. We tend to think that just because someone's a national, they're going to be an effective minister. And that's not, I mean, you could probably name 50 Americans that you wouldn't want to support as a missionary to America, right? They, they speak the language, they understand the culture, but they don't necessarily represent the kingdom of God, okay? And there are people like that on the field as well. Just because someone's a national does not mean they have a call of God on their life or that they have a, the giftings necessary to reach people. And so that, that would be one thing. And you can't really know unless you're there, because here's the other thing I saw, it's typically, well, first of all, when we go to a foreign mission field, we usually don't speak the language. So it's usually the guy who speaks English or who's the most gregarious, who's the most outgoing that befriends the guests coming in. And because he can speak English and you're down there and you're desperate, and you're trying to speak Thai in Thailand, you're trying to speak, you know, whatever, Khmer in Cambodia or whatever. And you're desperate, and you find some guy that speaks English, and all of a sudden he's your buddy, you know, and it's like, wow, and he he tells you all the stuff he's doing. And so it's it's easy to kind of fund the most gregarious, and it may not be the most effective, because it may be that the most effective guy who's really doing the work, he's not there at your gathering because he's out feeding the sheep. He's out in the field. He's out doing the work of the ministry instead of coming to where the North Americans have gathered for some kind of a mission thing. So that's the second part. You know, you you can't really value, you can't really judge the effectiveness of a national worker unless you really spend time with them and understand the culture and see are they being accepted by their own people? And so it's hard to do that. And then then the third thing I'd say is this: we as Christians, we so often we're looking for a good deal, right? I mean, we are, let's face it, you know, ask any waitress, Christians are the worst tippers. At least we have a reputation for that. I hope that's not the case, but we are so cheap, you know? (laughs) We call it stewardship, but stewardship means I'm caring for somebody else's money. What we say is, oh, I have to steward the money God has given me. Wait a minute, I didn't think he'd given it to you. If it's stewardship, it's his. He gets to decide what to do with it, right? It's not yours. And I found this, it's amazing. You realize Judas was stealing from the purse? That's what it says. He was, he was Jesus' treasurer, and Jesus knew he was stealing from the purse, and he never confronted him on it. He never even said, Judas, why don't we let P- Peter keep the money for a while? I think we get so concerned about God's money. we got to use every penny because we really think it's our money. If it's his money, he wastes it sometimes, in my mind. You know, he uses it on things that aren't that effective. I mean, he would pick the most effective person. Those are the only people sent out there. And look, he likes to use just ordinary people. He picked a Peter and he let, uh, now I tell our a bookkeeper at, um, at Commission Every Nation, C, C10 and CMN. I say, now Judas got away with it, but don't you, don't you <laughs> take any cues from that, okay? So we want to be, be above board with everything. But the point is, we sometimes get so overly concerned with making the maximum use of every dime. And I think more than God even is he's more concerned with working in people's hearts and lives than he is about money. Cause that's a, that's a limitless resource to him, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think you can, you can support national workers, but I think you need to do it through a worker who's somebody on the ground who, who can really vouch for their um, character and their effectiveness um, in working with the nationals. Does that make sense. Mm-hmm. Comments Absolutely. or thoughts on that?
1: Absolutely. It's- That's great. You know, Mm -hmm. there, there needs to be, you know, some effective, you know, oversight as well, because, you know, we've worked with pastors in different parts of the world and, you know, we've, we've sent money, but, you know, but there needs to be accountability as well. You know, we, does this go to such and such project? Because uh, what I found is that how we handle money culturally is you know we may allocate some funds in our culture. Hey, this this money is for such and such project. Well, right. you know you send money to another country, and all of a sudden they have funds, but all of a, but maybe there's a need in their family. Somebody needs to go to the hospital. And now all of a sudden they, they help that person. And now there's not enough money to fund the project that you just sent, you know, money for. So, you know, so we have, there's a lot of different, uh, you know, angles that, you know,
0: it's not even really dishonest. It's so easy for us to think, well, they're going to be dishonest. No, it's a different way of viewing life. Yes. And their way of viewing life is relationships are more important than money or time. Mm
1: -hmm. We
0: think time is so crucial and, but they put a value on relationships. So if my sister is sick and I've got the money to help her, I'm going to help her. Mm-hmm. And it's not wrong, really. It's really in some ways more biblical. We put more emphasis upon time and tasks and money, and they mm-hmm. put the focus upon relationships. In most cultures of the world, it's only in the Western cultures that we have mm-hmm. such an emphasis upon. Don't waste my time. Time is money. No, it really isn't. You know, it's, Relationships are a lot more important than either of those mm-hmm. in God's and that's why I say, I don't think God, when I say waste money, he's not that concerned with money. He's more concerned with people and relationships because that's who he is.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I'm glad. I, feel like,
1: yes. I think at one point, didn't he pull a uh, coin out of a fish, right? I mean, he's, he, yeah. he, he, can, yeah. he, he can figure out the money thing.
0: Pay paid the taxes. I wish he'd do that for my taxes. <laughs> Boy, you know, I tell you what, really, that would be nice. Just go fishing. That'd be great. Send a, send a big old carp off to the IRS.
1: <laughs> Honey, uh, I'm put that on my calendar. April 14th, I'm going fishing next year. Okay. <laughs> to pay the taxes. Right. <laughs> uh, <great. laughs>
0: Let me know if that works out for you. Uh, right.
1: <laughs> so you know the, one other you know issue or you know question that you raise in your in your book is is this idea that you know when we send people, they're they're we need to send them to these countries that aren't reached. Right. You know, we, if we're just sending people to countries that are already reached with the gospel, then, you know, are we, are we wasting resources again? Are we, you know, are we wasting people's time and you know, what in your experience, what, you know, where's the truth in that?
0: Well, it kind of goes back to what I said earlier. It's, it's all about obedience. And, um, if we are, if we are saying to people, Hey, you have to go to a 1040 window country. Um, well then we're, we're being the voice of the Holy spirit for them you know, and saying, okay, this is where you have to go. And um, I just believe that if a missionary can't hear from the Lord as to where they're to go and what they're to do, then they, well, what are they doing going anywhere in the first place, you know? But the other thing is it's amazing to me how we have this double standard for missionaries versus for the, for the church in America, for example. Um, we wouldn't be planning any churches in America if we felt like you should only go to the unreached, because I, I'm sure there must be a city somewhere in the U.S. where there's not a church or but that christian radio doesn't reach or that there's not a christian bookstore or something around and so this idea jesus called us to make disciples not to make converts and you can't make disciples in just a short period of time and so the idea of going in you reach them we go in, we hold set up a tent have a campaign wow everybody comes down they pray we they pray the prayer we give them a bible send them on their way okay that's a reached country no, oh, he told us to make disciples, and that's what we're doing here in the U.S. You're making disciples. I just don't see that the job is ever done. And many times God gives, well, you could say, well, you got a strong national church there. But I've seen this. God will gives a platform to foreigners coming in that in their own nation they many times don't have. I had a, One of my Spanish teachers was a, um, a Christian believer. And once as we were talking, he just said, have you ever noticed people listen to you more than they listen to me? I said, I don't, you know, what are you talking about? You know? And he said, well, you know, I will, I've got a friend and I've got friends and I've talked to them about the gospel, presented a gospel message and, and they just kind of blow it off. And then some gringo will come along and in their horrible Spanish, they'll, they'll do a terrible presentation of the gospel and they, they commit their life to Jesus. He said, I just can't figure that out. You know, he says, they listen to you more than they listen to me. And it's the same way here. You know, have you ever Mm -hmm. been to your church and you have a guy come in who has a British or an Australian accent, particularly that British accent. Uh-huh. Don't they get just right. so good? So yeah. Oh man, right. you just you pay attention because this is so smart. You like, know, it's so thrilling. intellectual, <laughs> it's so stimulating. You know, and it's, it's just something about the fact that we listen to people that are from another culture a little more, True. and mm-hmm. pay more attention. And so God is, particularly in the U.S., God has given us a platform, and we've used that platform to spew the filth of Hollywood and. Uh, you know, social media all over the world, but we can use that same platform to preach the gospel. And it's a platform where still many countries in the world look up to the U S and want want, whatever the U S has, if it has, if it's connected to the U.S., I want to hear about that. And it's a platform that we can use for the gospel um, that we, we, I believe will give account for, and the world's used it very effectively that platform. And we, as the Christians need to be doing that too. And so that would be my, thoughts on that one yeah absolutely thank you so good
1: you know not all there's a lot of people here that listen you know they want to they want to go to the nations and some people just want to mm-hmm. you know want to just stay home and, and do missions and you know live that missional life with you know among their their peers among their co-workers among their their neighbors yeah. and that you know we we need them both you know as we mentioned as we talked about earlier you know
0: obedience but, exactly Uh,
1: you know, for, for those who are kind of looking at maybe going overseas or kind of doing something like that, you know, for them, it's not about their desire to go. It's more about their ability to go. You know, they don't have the funds or it's not the right time. Right. You've seen thousands of people go to the nations uh, through your ministries and those who are out there living the mission. What do you think the difference maker is between the desire to go and actually going is?
0: Well, I would encourage anybody, Uh, I mean, even if you feel like God's called you to stay in the U S or stay in Canada or wherever, you know um, I would encourage you to take a short-term trip to, it will broaden your experience. It will broaden your, it will broaden your understanding of God. When you see God in a different culture, because we tend to put these barriers on the Lord. Okay. This is it. And this is my framework. And this is how I understand God. And this is how I understand what worship should be. And we don't realize there are, there are all different ways that, legitimate ways to worship the lord and um it it broadens your perspective of who god is and it will broaden it will give you a greater just taking a short-term trip will give you a greater um understanding of the depth of the the christian church as well and who we are as a multi-dimensional it's it's like a it's like a tapestry we're multi-colors we're multi-faceted and all those colors and all those cultures all and languages all weave together to make a beautiful uh image but it's the diversity if it was all if all the th- thread you used to make this tapestry was all the same color all the same material it would just be pretty boring and so it's all the colors all the cultural differences all the language differences all the different ways that we view the world uh, that mold together to really form the beauty of the body of christ and you i think you need you, you need to get out and you really don't have to go far because there you could probably you can in many large cities in the u.s you can find other cultural styles of worship i mean i taught at a church at a, a missions conference in uh, silver springs outside of washington dc man i was the only white guy there it was an african church and uh, my glow in the dark skin they kind of had <laughs> put a bag over my head so they could keep <laughs> the lights down you know but right. <laughs> it was a cultural experience, you know, and they, I was there to talk to these African pastors and, and it was an African church in the U S. And so you can even, you can find that cultural expression here, but to go and actually be in their world, um, it's like, uh, understanding a fish. When you get in the water, you understand the fish a whole lot more than standing in your world, looking at it from the outside. And so I'd encourage you even to take a short-term trip there, um, and see what God might do, but then where you are, in fact, we just got back from, um, visiting some of our missionaries. They work on the Virginia Tech campus of Virginia Tech, and they work with international students there. And I was just so impressed with how their day-to-day activity, their day-to-day mindset is, how are we going to reach these people? How are we going to reach this community? How are we going to reach? And I thought, you know, that needs to be, and that and this is what I think the message of your podcast is, and the message of you guys' life is, that needs to be our mentality. It's not like I get up and I go through my world, and if I accidentally have an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody standing in line in in the grocery store, then I do that. But it's really a matter of, okay, I go to this job to pay the bills, but my life is how do I reach those around me, this sphere of influence, this world that God has given me, this, this world that I live in, how do I reach it with the gospel and then I, I, I obviously do the things I have to do to eat and live and pay the bills, but that's not my goal in life. My goal is I'm planted here as an ambassador from another kingdom to reach this kingdom and bring them out of this kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And so how can I do that effectively today? Mm-hmm. I'm so impressed because that's what these people were doing. They were living every day for that. What can we do here? Okay, let's, let's invite people over from the neighborhood. Okay, let's go out to the park. Let's do this. Let's, uh, let's watch. Uh, some movie on tv together you know and they were reaching uh people from literally around the world from right there in virginia um on the campus of the university there and i just thought wow we each need to have that calling in our life uh recognizing we're ambassadors we're here just temporarily just passing through and why didn't god just when we get saved it'd be a lot less messy if we got saved and boom we woke up the next morning in heaven right No mess up, no goof up, no embarrassing God over the stupid things we do and say and think. Just take us to heaven tomorrow. But he left us here because we have a mission. He's not going to send the angels to declare the gospel. And in some ways they can't. They've never experienced it. We've experienced it. And so we're the ones who've been commissioned to represent him as his ambassadors here. And it's so easy to get caught up and forget that we're just passing through here. Mm -hmm. This isn't my kingdom. I love America. I've served in the military, I'm a patriot to the core, but this isn't my primary concern. This isn't my primary home I'm passing Mm -hmm. through. Mm -hmm. I am an ambassador from another kingdom. And an ambassador's responsibility is to represent the king from where they've come, the kingdom from where they've come into this kingdom. And how can I bring uh, the benefits of this kingdom into into the lives of the people here in this Mm -hmm. world? That's what you guys are saying, I think, right? Yeah. <laughs> Live missionally, absolutely, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Yeah, there's a higher purpose.
1: You know, there's that quote that you know we all end up somewhere, but you know, m- most people don't end up there on purpose, right? You know, right? With yeah. that intentionality, right? And you know, we have to go out every day with that intentionality of, I, how do I bring the kingdom here? How am I, you know, how am I living missionally and 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 just basically being the hands of feet of, of yeah. Earth? you know, and, and loving people, because that's what, you know, ultimately, you know, it's, it's, it's our love. They'll know you're Christians by your love, you know, and, Mm -hmm. you know, how do we go out and love people? How do we go out there and serve them? How do we go out there and just simply
0: be Jesus to them? Yeah. I think sometimes we get frustrated too, because I know you feel like, well, I've already shared the gospel with all of my friends and all of my coworkers and all of my neighbors, and they didn't receive it. They aren't hearing each other. And we think that what, it's easy to think that what you're saying is, Go out and preach the gospel to them. And um, there is a place for that. I, I, I'm mm-hmm. not an adherent to that, uh, you know, preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. That, that I don't, I think that's a, okay. I think yeah. that's a dumb saying personally, and I don't think St. <laughs> Francis said it. Okay. Uh, because the, it says that it is the, the gospel is the power of God to salvation. It's not good works. Because if all you do is just nice things and you're just a mm-hmm. nice guy, then that's who you are. Oh, he's just, oh, he's the nicest guy. They don't mm. realize no i'm not a nice guy I, i'm it's god that's transforming yes. me. Mm. so but what i'm saying is it's not in the preaching that happens because you probably have already done that with all your friends but it's looking for those opportunities it's being alert mm. to those opportunities And instead of when something goes wrong in their life, instead of going, Oh, that's terrible. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Oh, instead of, instead of that going in and saying, you know, there's hope for that. There's an answer for that. Can Mm -hmm. I help you? Let me serve you. Can I mow your grass while you're in the hospital? Can I Mm -hmm. do, as you were saying, just do something to express the gospel and then when, and be alert to those opportunities when it is time to say, um, Hey, you know why I do this? It's not that I'm a nice guy. (laughs) It's that, God changed my life. And, and I I want to share that with you. So it's more than just speaking, but it is speaking too, but it it can't just be speaking. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Absolutely. That's the easiest thing to do. We're good at talking, aren't we? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, truly.
1: You know, as you've seen people kind of come and, you know, say, I've got this calling on my life. I want to go, I want to go do something around the world. You know, I imagine as you see people do that, um, the stars seem to just line up, right for for them to be able to go and do all that, right? I mean, it just you yeah. know, the light shines down, and it's and you know they read that certain country everywhere, and you know it's just super easy to get from where they are now to where they feel like God is is
0: is calling. No them, obstacles right? at all. Not yeah, ob- right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what planet you live on, but that's not the planet. I, I'm I'm I'd like to visit there someday, but no. No. In fact, some of the biggest obstacles are family and friends. It's like, are you crazy? What are you doing? Why would you do that? You know? And and again, they go, well, there's lots of needs here. Why don't you just stay here and meet the needs here? And, and uh, why don't we just support a national worker? You know, we'd all love to send mercenaries rather than missionaries. You know, I'd rather just, I'll pay somebody a bunch of money to go if I don't have to go myself, you know? um and so there will be obstacles and that's what i think commission every nation commission ministers network does that's why an organization can help you because you get people who've been down that road before and so when you expect something to happen it doesn't happen the way they can go no no no, this is normal you go oh really okay this is you mean the fact that i might have this obstacle yeah this is normal and and this is this is what you can expect and so that's what the benefit of, of aligning yourself with an organization and And having people who've gone ahead, who can come back and say, here, let me help you through this. And let me give you some ideas on this. And let me share with you how to do that. Most missionaries, by the way, are are not, um, they they have friends and family who support them. They raise their own support, the term we use, raise their own support to go, which means they, it's not asking people to help you do what you're doing. We think it's this big ask. We think it's this. I make a joke about the missionary handshake, you know, he sticks out his hand and then he turns the palm up to say, "Give me." Something, give me something. it's not asking, but here's, what's happening. When you're inviting people, you're really inviting people to be a part of something that is so exciting that you have chosen to change your life for it. Mm-hmm. And why would you not invite a friend to be a part of something that you're so excited about? And if you have that in mentality, all you're doing, um, is inviting people to be a part of a God thing. We mentioned that earlier. This is God's thing. If, if you dreamed up the idea of going as a missionary, you're going to have a rough go of it. But if it's a God thing, you're still going to have a rough go of it, but you're not doing your thing. And so you don't have to get emotionally attached to it. You know that if this is a God thing, he's got the funds out there. He's got the prayer partners. He's got the, he's got the visa. He's got the passport, all the things you're going to need to go And it's just a matter of waiting on his timing to put all those pieces together. You have to take the steps I mean, you have to do, you have to send off the application for the passport. It's not going to pop in the mail someday. You know, you have to get the picture taken and do all that stuff, but God will order those steps and make it happen. And again, that's the benefit of having an agency who can walk along with you. One that will help you, not one that will put up more barriers, you know, not one that's going to say, well, you really ought to get a, uh, you, you don't have five years of Bible college. You probably ought to get a Bible college. You know, if you're planning a church, you probably should. If you're going to go work in an orphanage and and round up the kids for supper and cook meals, you probably don't need, you know, it depends on what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. I'd re- much rather have an electrician who understands electricity than an electricity who can give me the theology of the second coming. You know, I just want him to know what he's doing when he's hooking up the wires so I don't get oh, tricolated right. later or something, you know? <laughs> and so it depends on what you're doing, the tr- whatever training you need. And so you need an organization that's going to help you, um, and encourage you and not put up additional barriers just for the sake of well, making themselves look good. Mm-hmm. And that's really what it's about. I don't want you to get out there and fail because I look bad. And I'm, again, I'll say it again. I don't think you're going to fail if you're walking in obedience, mm-hmm. you know, whatever happens, it's going to be God honored by it because you were obedient. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, what would you what would your encouragement be to kind of the global body of believers the global body of people trying to live the missional life right now what would your encouragement be for them for this time and place in this season currently
0: well we are in an amazing time um it's it's very unique time and i i believe god is going to um all right actually is already at work um we we got a report today from china and we're hearing that uh, some are missionaries in china we have missionaries still there um there have people asking questions that they've not been asking before
1: Mm.
0: and i believe that you know there's there's um there's nothing like a funeral to remind people that you're mortal i think that's why we hate funerals you know because we're not reminded of our mortality until we go to a funeral and realize oh my goodness that's going to be me one of these days up there you know and even well, when you're under 40, you still don't even think about that. You know, so when you get to be 40, 45, 50, you go, oh, maybe I'm not eternal either. You know, maybe I am mortal. And it's the same thing. I think this the death of so many people has awakened the world to the fact that, hey, we don't have it all together. This little invisible force swept the world off its feet, destroyed the economy overnight, has destroyed lives and families overnight. And all the experts have no idea what to do with it. I mean, all the experts are coming out, well, well this and then that, and, and they have no idea. And we came up with a vaccine, but now what? guess what? The little virus ran, did an inrun run around the vaccine, and we have all these uh, mutations of it coming out. And I think no time in the world have we as a, as a global society realized, wow, we're pretty powerless. A little bitty invisible virus can do this to us. And, you know, my prayer, and I don't know, maybe I'm just wishful thinking, but I'm thinking, you know, oftentimes the enemy tries to um, replicate, uh, falsify in a false way what God is doing. You know, he he, he tries to, you know, God, uh, well, he, it goes all the way back to Eve, you know, you, you shall be as God, you shall know, you know, and mm. and so find your wisdom from that instead of finding your wisdom from the Lord and from the Holy Spirit. And so he was trying to replicate And I'm just praying that this virus thing could possibly be a forerunner, an evil, dark kingdom picture of God doing the same thing in the spirit realm. Wouldn't it be awesome if the Holy Spirit just were released around the world in the same way, instead of bringing death, bringing life, and -hmm. a tremendous revival that yes. people that there's no stopping. The experts can't explain it. Nobody knows why it's happening, but people are just rushing into the kingdom left and right by the scores and the thousands.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm, I'm, I'm praying for that. And I figure, okay, if it's, if it's a court, you know, as they say, this is the confidence we have. We know if we asking anything according to his will, we know that we have it. And I'm going, okay, Lord, if it's not according to your will, then you do what you want to do, but boy, that would sure be awesome to see that happen, you know, mm-hmm. to see, this thousands brought into the kingdom. And here's the cool thing about it. This virus started in China. I would love to see this revival start in China because if you're familiar with the, what they call the western move of the gospel or the westward move of civilization, the gospel started in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. It went to Antioch. That's a little westward move, not much. Then we see it moving to europe with the reformation and then after the reformation we see it jumping across the ocean to the united states and for years the u.s canada the western world over here was like the major sending power the major power of the gospel you know as you see the burnt over fields of germany and the old reformation countries where you know it's just sort of they call them post-christian now even well we're quickly becoming post-christian but the gospel has not stopped it has continued to move westward and now you see korea sending missionaries around the world by the thousands And there's a movement in the Chinese church called back to Jerusalem, where they really feel like the baton of the gospel has been handed to them. And they are to finish taking the gospel around the world back to Jerusalem. And if you think about Jesus coming in from the Eastern gate, that's the gate that points toward the East there. And so the gospel coming in from that um, Eastern perspective, I believe the Lord has just about wrapped this whole thing up. And I would love to see just one more amazing viral infectious uh spread of the gospel around the world that would start in china and but it would not stay there it would infect all of us and there are millions of chinese believers who are praying the same thing and i'm just saying amen let it be come lord jesus uh come and change this world could happen i'm praying for it join Mm -hmm. me in it
1: wow amen and amen Mm -hmm. wow Absolutely. How can listeners connect with you? Do you have a, a website? Do you have some social media follow, uh social Yeah. Media
0: handles? You of- you can go to all of it the, the kind of the hub the best place to go would just be rickmalm.com r i c k m a l m.com and, and you can go to the YouTube station. We have a YouTube channel on there. Uh, I have a, I do a podcast with my son that uh, uh, it's a Facebook live every Tuesday, but um, it's a podcast that's out there as well. We answer questions. Uh, how do you find the will of God uh, Would Jesus? Uh, one of our favorites people seem to love is would Jesus remove the mask mandate? Um, <laughs> we just chat about different things. And uh, so anyway, yeah, but if you go to rickmom.com, you can find the link to the podcast, to YouTube videos, to everything on there. That'd be the best way and to the books too. We have several books. on. In fact, the story of uh, the founding of commission every nation, but it's much more than that. It really is kind of, it's really the story of how God uses ordinary people. And we tell the story of others in there. Uh, The book is called commission to every nation and it's available on um, Amazon as well. Um, Actually, you just look for me on Amazon. You'll see all of our books out there. We've got someone parenting and just different things. So um, yeah, we just, whatever we can do to be a blessing, we just kind of scatter seed wherever it goes and then let the Lord produce fruit out of it. So
1: listeners, we'll have those in the show notes for you. Rick, what an honor, what a blessing uh, it's been mm-hmm. to spend some time with you and to just hear such uh, some spiritual depth. Um, wow. And what a what an amazing vision from, you know, at, there at the end. So yes. let it be. Come Lord let Jesus it be. Amen. 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 Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: Well, uh, it's been a delight to be with you guys and uh, Lord bless you in your work and what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Delighted to be a partner with you through through Commission Ministers Network. We're just excited we can be a part of what you're doing there, just in a tiny way to help make it possible for you.
1: Absolutely. Thank you. Let's all live that mission. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah.